Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crowdy. It's good to have you all with us. Um, you know, we have been on the air now doing these podcasts for over three years, and I think our, our listenership just keeps growing, and, and I don't say that just to, uh, to pat ourselves on the back. It's just nice that all of us can be connected, even if we don't know one another, just in our ongoing journey and our ongoing Christian witness and discipleship. So thanks for tuning in, and Father, it's, as always, it's good to be with you. Good to be with you, Father Shane. It's nice to catch up, even in the midst of uh, we're recording on a Sunday, which seems like the least opportune time to record podcasts for priests. But neither one of us being in you know active parish ministry, it's working out. I have uh, it's weird. I have seven p.m. mass at Briarcliff at the university here in town, mm-hmm. so it's weird having like the the first half of the day open, and mm-hmm. then kind of anticipating all the stuff that's coming. So um, no, I'm glad we could find a time to record. It's great. That's well, good. Uh, Father, as our listeners know, I'm here assigned in St. Louis right now. You are in Sioux City, and sometimes you have asked me, you know, some of the the uh, great sights and sounds of of St. Louis. If I'm in, if I'm taking all of them in, and we have spoken about Ted Drew's before. Yes, of um, course, kind of the, the famous classic ice cream stand Whoa, here, frozen custard, frozen custard. Excuse easy, me, easy. I stand corrected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frozen custard. Um, you have asked me about Ted Drews before on this this podcast. In a this very one. Episode. Here we are. Yeah, and I will freely admit that in that episode, I kind of admitted I don't think it's that good. Mm. However, I recently had some Ted Drews, and it was delicious. <laughs> now, the distinction is: Did you take a Drews cruise to get there, or was it something that was brought to the seminary? You know, because the Drews cruise is important when you go on this kind of. Oh, yeah. No, I'm all about the Drew's Cruise. I'm all about going there with guys. It's a social outing. There's lots of families around. The lines get really long. Oh, yeah. During the heat of the summer, especially after Cardinals baseball games, there's, you know, there's barricades set up to handle the crowds. Uh, I I think that's all important. Uh, This particular time, it was actually brought to the seminary for a seminarian gathering. Um, But it was delicious. And I so I stand corrected. Wow. Uh, I think what ha- might have happened in some of my previous, you know, experiences, I sure. might have just had like the rookie who was like not knowing what they're doing, and I just maybe got a bad batch or just it was something was just always off. But now, did you have a p- kind of a pure this like positive experience? Was that like a pure taste of like the you know vanilla I did. custard I did. instead <laughs> of having all the <laughs> toppings on it? Right, it was just kind of a pure experience of it. Right, that's right. That's right, and it was delicious. Oh, so good. for all of our it. listeners from St. Louis and for all of the Midwesterners who love to come and support Ted Drews, I understand. I really you do get, get it. it. I would say this last thing about Ted Drews, because obviously I get excited about fun St. Louis uh, you know, local spots. Um, nah, one of the craziest you. things that I do, um, <laughs> you know, now it is, of course, what I love. You, know, you see it here when it's still super hot in the Midwest, but you hit September. And it, everybody thinks it's the fall, right? right? So ladies start wearing scarves, even though it's 90 degrees outside, and everybody pumpkin starts getting everywhere. pumpkin spice lattes. Exactly. The, I love, I said this before on the podcast, and you said careful because then people buy them for me. Um, I really do love the uh, the pumpkin pie blizzards at, um, at DQ, at Dairy Queen. Really? Okay. However, the pumpkin pie kind of whatever they call it, you know, mixed up thing at Ted Drew's is wild. They just take a piece of pumpkin pie and mix it into custard. Okay. It's 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 a 
It is a. It's all natural. It is a lot. It is a heavy caloric intake, but it is it is delightful. So yeah, maybe that might be it. Now that you're a little bit more open to experience the Ted Drews, you know, that just takes it to the next level for my fall experience. It really will. Yeah, make sure to wear your you know your scarf when you go. But that'd be good. Okay. Well, you know, fall here in St. Louis is still hot. For most of it, yeah, you get like one week where it's like a little cool, and that's right. Yeah. Father, um, do you know what I'd like to talk about today? I'd like to talk about the children's game of hide-and-go-seek, hide-and-seek. Ah. You ever played that before, Father? (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I, you know, just to, you know, maybe continue the banter and kind of ease into the topic here a little bit. Um, the Crowdy Boys, uh, my two brothers and I, we would we would play a lot of hide and go seek in the dark mm-hmm. um, in our in our um, Verina home. That's and that, awesome. That's an it's an added you know element of uh, hiding behind things and having to use uh, flashlights. But it wasn't until I did youth ministry that I learned about um, sardines. Have you played that okay. one before? I have not. Sardines is kind of crazy. And the first time I did it, I really didn't understand. But basically, one person is is trying to find everybody. Okay. okay. One person is it. But when you run around and if you find somebody, you're trying to find people too. And when you find somebody, you hide with them. So you mm. kind of pile in and stack in like sardines. Like if you stumble upon somebody and find somebody in a hiding place, you hide together. Right. Mm. And then if you get caught, you join the team of trying to find those who are hiding together. Mm-hmm. And we once played in a parish where some, some kid, like there was like one of those portable altars that was in a you know, kind of when they, I don't know if they'd have to have mass in a gym or something. And this kid mm-hmm. like climbed inside of it and nobody could find him for the whole game. So yeah, hide and seek, big fan. Well, and keep that image of a guy hiding in the altar all by himself, okay? Okay, good, I will. <laughs> so, you know, my nephews play hide and go seek. Everyone's played it. If there's any listener out there who doesn't know what hide and go seek is, you know, just a quick review. <laughs> One person's it. Everybody else in the group has to go find somewhere and hide. And then after a set amount of time, um, then you have to run around and try and find everybody. Someone seeks them out, one might say. <laughs> That's right. And the whole purpose of the game, of course, is you're trying to, to find a really good hiding spot so that you don't get you know, found by who's ever it. Um, it's a fun game. Children have played it all the time. It, it's fun to play even for adults. Um, and, of course, the whole point of the game is trying not to be found. Um, but I'd just like to point out, you know, in the spiritual life, that's exactly the opposite, I think, of where our Christian lives actually lead us to. In the spiritual life, as we seek communion with one another in a parish setting or in ecclesial movements, and certainly as we seek uh, to find the Lord, we actually want to be found. And, and I think this is incredibly uh, deep and rich in, in entering into someone's vulnerabilities. Um, but I just want our listeners to imagine for a moment, say you're playing hide and go seek. Maybe you're even taking it up a level and playing hide and go seek in the dark, mm, which is sardines, a lot of fun. And I did that as a kid as, as well. Um, you're playing hide and go seek. Say you find a really, really awesome hiding spot. Maybe like this young man that you were talking about who found, who hid inside of a portable altar. Okay. Maybe you've just found the world's best hiding spot. And after an hour, the person who is the seeker and perhaps everybody else on the team who has been found at this point is searching and is searching and is searching. And perhaps after an hour, they just give up and say, oh, well, you know, Father Crotty, he, he searched or he, he hit himself so well, we just can't even find him in the midst of this search. We're just leaving. Maybe he left. Maybe he actually ditched us and left and we don't even know if he's still around here. 
and then they leave. And maybe an hour and a half goes by and you come out of your hiding spot and you realize everyone has left me. Everyone has deserted me. I am alone and I am isolated and I am forgotten about. Uh, I mean, that would be a really tragic thing for a child and probably very traumatizing for a child to realize everyone has abandoned me in which I thought we were playing this game together. And so, you know, I, I realized that in the hide and, hide and go seek game, you really, you know, want to find an awesome hiding, hiding spot. Um, but isn't it fascinating the way we live our spiritual lives in which we can try and find so many ways to hide from the Lord? And we think, well, I'm either not worthy of his love or I've done something really grave and severe and he'll never take me back uh, or I'll never you know, be as holy as all these other Christians around me. And so therefore, I'm just going to remain isolated. I'm going to remain hidden. And yet deep, deep inside every single one of us, is there not that yearning and that urge to say, oh, the Lord has found me. I am his and he claims me. And, and the rest of this community claims me. And they say to me, you belong with us. You belong part of our team. And we want to embrace you. Uh, I think that runs at the, uh, the very, very deep levels of the spiritual life. And, and I was just thinking about this recently in terms of the game of hide-and-go-seek. Any thoughts on that, Father? I got a lot. This is great. Thank you, Father Shane. I think the first thing, it goes back to Genesis, right? Like Genesis 3, right after the fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> it's like original hide and go seek. Um, right. But God's the one seeking and man wants to hide, right? It literally says that Adam hid himself, right? Um, this was pointed out to me just in a beautiful way in my own formation in seminary. One of my formators at one point when I was talking about my own insecurities, right? And insecurities, I don't feel secure. So I need to hide myself because I might get hurt, right? By others, or I might, you know, fail or something, whatever that I'm trying to do. And this formator in particular, he brought up that phrase and he brought up God's response, right? When he said, well, you know, why did you hide? And Adam said, well, we hid ourselves because we were naked. And then he says that compelling line, who said that you were naked? Like mm-hmm. who said, right? And it was, it was this evil one who like, you know, points out their kind of vulnerability and that a security that they walked with God in the cool of the day and friendship, this firm security that they're seen and known and loved by God and that that's Mm -hmm. not a place of fear, but then all of a sudden that becomes twisted and a place that was secure is now totally insecure, right? Mm -hmm. It lacks this, lacks this stability, lacks the security. Who said you're naked? Like who, who said that no, I've been seeing you the whole time, right? And it's funny, too, in that in that imagery of Genesis, like, it's not like God didn't know where he was. It's not like he was actually hiding from God, right? But mm-hmm. he actually let Adam, like, think he was hiding um, mm-hmm. in his freedom, you know? Um, so I think that's just so so true. But then I said that phrase, seen, known, and loved. As we continue to form young people in youth ministry and preach the gospel, there's a lot of, like, common tropes that come, and that's a pretty common phrase, like, that you could hear at a Steubenville conference as a seat conference at a youth retreat or something like that to be seen, known, and loved. And that's often pointed out as the, one of the deepest desires of our heart that all of us want that, right? And just like Aquinas would say, we don't do anything because we think it's going to make us not happy. We do everything because we think it's going to satisfy those kind of deepest needs to be seen, to be known, to be loved. Mm-hmm. But all of us having experiences because of sin, because of brokenness and relationships, have moments where, you know, that was exploited. Maybe we were seen and we were embarrassed or we weren't seen, right? We were ignored. Um, we weren't known. We weren't understood. We're kind of misunderstood. 
think everybody experiences that. I was just working with middle schoolers recently and middle schoolers. I said, guys, it's okay. These are the most awkward years of your life. It's only going to get better. And they mm-hmm. just stared at me silently because they're middle schoolers. And I said, don't worry, it gets better, right? Yeah, they can't actually reveal how insecure they're feeling yeah. in that moment, even when you acknowledge their insecurities. Just, <laughs> dr- just drowning in insecurities, right? But what's right. funny is that as we grow up, like middle schoolers, like you said, they can't even, <laughs> they can't even express how insecure they are. They just, it, you know, drips off of them, you know? It just paralyzes uh, them. Yeah, it just does. They're just stuck. And if you get a small, half, soft smile, you know that maybe, just maybe you're breaking through. But it is funny that as we continue to grow up, um, it, in an interior sense, we actually continue to do that. We continue to hide, right? And when we find ourselves insecure, we have to kind of hide from being, you know, seen, known, um, hurt. Uh, and but then the freedom that comes to realize that, no, God sees me and he doesn't exploit me, right? He doesn't embarrass me. God knows me. And he doesn't, like, go gossip and tell everybody else about me. Like, he actually... He sees me and he knows me in, in love. And there's real freedom that comes when I can actually step out of the, out of the hiding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the great privileges in working here in a seminary, it's certainly difficult not being with family ministry in a parish context. However, in my current assignment working with seminarians, one of the great experiences of spiritual fatherhood is helping them overcome any of these areas where they feel they need to hide. Mm-hmm. And and to to accompany them out of the moments of insecurity, the false lies, maybe even the false vows that they have told themselves exist in the context of their lives, to help them kind of break free from that. And same thing that you're trying to help those middle school students with anytime you're giving public presentations, to be able to to break free from that and to say no, you actually don't need to keep hiding. Mm-hmm. Um, and. For those of for those who are actually kind of advanced in the spiritual life, they see you hiding. <laughs> they they notice you're isolating. They see that maybe you're carrying a, a performance uh, characteristic about you, in which maybe you're trying to put on airs or be someone that you're not, mm-hmm. trying to look like you have it all together. Uh, and in that, it kind of actually just starts screaming insecurities all the more. And to be able to to release that baggage and to say, no, I actually just want you to step out in freedom. And to be yourself as God sees you and not have to hide from the world or from him, um, that, that is just one of the great privileges that I think we have in being spiritual guides and being spiritual fathers to others. Um, and, and I see it happening here with the growth of the seminarians to say, I'm not going to remain hidden anymore. And if there's a particular vice in my life that needs addressing, uh, if there's particular insecurities that need to be overcome, or if I just need to grow in comfortability with who God has made me, how he has molded my the, the shape of my heart, the intellectual gifts he's given me, even the, the, the body that he's given me, if there's insecurities about that, all of that can be you know uh, set aside as really not stemming from the Lord to find the truth and to say, I'm not hiding anymore. I'm stepping out of that. Yes. Well, and the fruit of that is freedom. I'm actually pulling up the collect prayer from, we're recording on Sunday from this Sunday's Mass. It's mm-hmm. funny these ordinary these ordinary time Sundays in the summer they just kind of string along and it's like the twenty odd whatever random Sunday of ordinary time. Father mm-hmm. Hazing pointed this out that there are some, especially in these past few weeks, I think the nineteenth is his favorite, that have these beautiful themes of adoption, of freedom, of our identity as beloved children of God. Um, that unfortunately at a mass, you know, if we're not reading those ahead of time, uh, folks in the pews, we often just miss them. Um, Right, you know, there's not a there's not a reason to really like, kind of hear those. But 
Um, let's see if I can pull this up quick. Um, well, as I try to do this, um, hmm. <laughs> lost my train of thought, but, uh, well, you were looking up the colic. Yes, exactly. I'll just pull it up. You can say something nice while I'm pulling it up. Um, well, yeah, we're recording on the uh, 23rd Sunday here. Got it. Here we go. From Wonderful. And the gospel of the day is Matthew 18. You got the college? Yes, yes. So God by whom we are redeemed and receive adoption, look graciously upon your beloved sons and daughters that those who believe in Christ may receive true freedom and an everlasting inheritance. It's a simple prayer, noble simplicity of our Roman, right? But I think what that just shows is the freedom that you get when you don't hide is so much better than the like perceived protection that you get from hiding. Mm-hmm. I've been telling that to high school students recently. Like, it is so much different, and you can't understand it until you experience it. When you stop caring about what other people think about you, for high school students especially, right? And there's a spiritual component. Component, but and I said, and high school students, there can even be an idea where they, oh, I don't, I don't care what people think about me. Oh, no, you do. And even that, mm-hmm. even that, like, kind of put on like tough guy thing. It's like, oh yeah, but that's also you really, really care what other people think about you, right? And really hiding your true self, right? Putting out, the, of course, now with social media, right? Putting out the kind of Instagram thing or like the Snapchat of only half your face because God forbid mm-hmm. they see your whole face because that'd be, mm-hmm. you know, you share too much, right? right? But that translates in with our relationship with God, the more and more you can step out of the hiding and be like seen in the light of, of who he is. Yeah, your sin and your brokenness is revealed, but his capacity to redeem you, like it just said in that prayer is revealed, right? That we're redeemed, children of God Mm -hmm. adopted through Jesus Christ. And the fruit of that recognition is freedom, like to not be chained by our insecurities, chained in hiding, um, but to like stand in the bright light of truth. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And with that freedom, just to circle back to the hide and go see game that we started with, is that freedom not experienced when you watch children play hide and go seek there? Everyone who's out hiding they're hiding, they're hiding, they're hiding. There's there's growing anticipation. Am I going to be found? Am I going to be found? And then when they are found, what happens? You know, they might hug each other. They might tackle each other. They might scream. They might shout. They might laugh. But there's a reaction. And and it's not, an, it's not a reaction of anger. Like, get away. You know, I'm supposed to remain isolated forever, completely, yeah. you know, yeah. alone in my insecurities. Even just watching children play, you know, even though the, the game is technically over when they have been found, it actually opens up to the, the relationality and uh, the, um, the friendship that is there for all of those young children playing the game together. They react, they delight, they, they shout in, in joy, um, and there isn't anger in the midst of that. And does that not actually point to deep within our anthropology, we actually are meant to walk in freedom, and to be found by others. Yeah, because that's exactly it. In that game, like you said, the goal is to remain hidden, but that's not really the goal, right? Mm-hmm. You're playing with your friends, and the, and the goal is to be the last one found, right? I mean, mm-hmm. But the goal is still to be found. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you don't want to be lost in isolation. And if that's the goal in these like fun children's games that are so intuitive to kids that they just think, we should just do this, you know? I'm sure nobody sat down and planned out the game hide-and-seek. I'm sure that just developed pretty organically, you know? Mm-hmm. What a reflection of like the human experience, right? That um, right. no, we want to be found. We want to be found. And you mentioned it. You mentioned that in parish life and ecclesial communions and these different kind of experiences of discipleship in parishes. Um, we want to to find that as a home. You know, maybe just mm-hmm. to just to mention briefly, like 
that experience that a lot of folks around our diocese of the Midwest are feeling right now, that pinch of like this place that I thought was my home, this place that I counted on, right? Because of parish mergers, because of pastoral planning, whatever else that might not be the case. What a good time to allow yourself to, to ask the question like, okay, if I'm feeling that tension, folks from a merged parish or whatever, right? There's two experiences of it. There's folks who are feeling like they're excluded. They're not included, right? But then those folks who might be in that parish community that is now welcoming in different people, right? To recognize that just like I have a desire to be seen, known, and loved, a a desire to belong somewhere, right? That so does everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. So if it means that if I'm coming in from a different community to take that risk and that step to kind of put myself out there, Right, even though I'm I'm from a different town, I'm from a different church, from a different parish, whatever it might be, you move to a new town to actually get invested, and then the other side to take the risk to say like, maybe I do actually want to welcome somebody in here. Right, mm-hmm. that's all done in the light of the Holy Spirit, who actually like wants to bring about real communion. All right, um, yeah, well, that's great. Yeah, good suggestion. So we just want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in, and uh, just for even taking some of these thoughts to prayer and to heart to say. In my isolation and all the ways that I try to remain hidden, how do I actually deeply desire to be found by others and by the Lord? Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.